Hello, everyone. Welcome to the One Flesh Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. The One Flesh Podcast is all about marriage, the essential union between man and woman. Uh, my goal is to help young men find a woman, uh, help them get married, and help them build a marriage worth having. Uh, today, we are going to uh, basically just talk about wedding advice. So, uh, I know a lot of guys that are about to um, get married soon, uh, quite a few of them, and uh, I don't know that I've ever just sat down. Uh, and talk specifically about the way that, um, you know, my experience in getting married and uh, trying to do uh, the whole wedding thing. I think we mentioned it a couple times. I've mentioned that mine was uh, not, a di- not a disaster, but a fiasco. We'll call it a, a fiasco. So uh, because of <laughs> lack of other ideas uh, and just the fact that I don't think I've ever done it, and I think it's, it's relevant, we're in the middle of wedding season, uh, you know, in proposal season as well. So uh, we're, well, I guess proposal season is kind of in the fall. A lot of people propose in the fall, but, um, I'm going to talk about that. I think the, uh, the first thing we're going to go over, like the, the ring, the proposal, and then actually, uh, getting married and kind of my thoughts and my advice on that. Cause I made a lot of mistakes in that whole process. So, uh, you know, the first thing is I'm not really going to talk about how to choose your wife. We, we spend a lot of time on that. Um, you all know, you know, evaluate yourself and your, and your significant other on the five, uh, purpose criteria, religion, family, uh, money, health and fitness and substance abuse. Uh, I think that's all of them. Did I get it right? Religion, money, family, health and fitness, substance abuse. Yep. Uh, evaluate yourself, evaluate her, make a plan, uh, move forward and then, you know, decide if you want to get married. Uh, I'm not going to spend much time on that. Um, but let's say that you've already found the right person. You've already gone through the five purpose criteria for whether you should marry this person or not. Uh, and you've decided that it's time. Uh, you think you want to go buy a ring? Um, first of all, so I'm not going to do the choosing part. Uh, Let's talk about deciding if it's time. Um, I'm going to tell you right now in a relationship, this is something that, um, I don't know that I've been necessarily wrong about, but my, uh, timeline for getting married uh, as far as when I think is appropriate has been, um, let's see, uh, expedited drastically. What do I mean by that? Is It's been shortened. Um, I, I see fewer and fewer reasons by the day for people to drag out um, even proposals. Uh, you know, basically the way I thought you know, coming up on a year ago, we've been doing this podcast for damn near a year, but, um, you know, eight months to a year ago, uh, the way I thought was that, yeah, it was okay to move in together as long as you were really, really committed and you were ready to be married. You didn't have to be married yet. Um, my opinion on that is, has kind of changed. Uh, that's thanks to Cade Carter and thanks to just hearing a lot of people kind of tell their stories uh, and understanding what marriage really is. Now, my opinion is that if you think you're ready to move in together, you're ready to get married. Um, plain and simple. That doesn't mean you may not be ready to have a wedding, like a big wedding, and that's okay. Uh, but if you're ready to move in together, you're probably ready to get married. Um, the the risks that are associated with both of those are, um, well, I think there's more risk as far as damage to the relationship moving in together than there is uh, getting married. But um, when you think about uh, like having kids and stuff like that, um, you would rather be under the promise of marriage. And let me put it this way. If you don't think you're ready to marry that person, I don't know why you would put yourself at elevated risk of having a kid or getting into relationship ending fights um, without the protection of marriage. And I know you would say, well, 
well, what if I want to live with them before I, you know, before I get married? So that instead of just ending a relationship, it's a divorce. Well, that's the point of marriage is that you're not going to divorce. You're going to work it out. Um, that's why marriage works. That's the whole idea. Um, that's the plan, Stan. That's, that's what it is. Uh, so it's going to force you to get through those things, not just break it off. Whereas if you're just living together, uh, there's a greater chance that if you do encounter um, one of those battles like, uh, oh man, I'm trying to think of a, a witty example that I could throw my wife under the bus with um, <laughs> when we started living together. I, I can't really think of one. Um, but if you have just one of those fights that, not really fights, I hate, I hate the word fight. Um, if you have a disagreement that is that is big enough that, um, you know, it, it might lead to a divorce or something like that, it's definitely going to lead to you just calling it quits and, and moving out. Uh, and that's not good. So basically you're, you're leaving a, leaving a back door that doesn't need to be there anyway. So, uh, as far as deciding when's the right time to buy a, a ring, when's the, the right time to propose, uh, I think as soon as you've done the criteria, um, as soon as you have, um, established that she is the one that you want to marry, that you want to spend the rest of your life with, um, I would say a 90% confidence level is, is enough. Uh, maybe even 75 75% confidence level is, is well enough that, that got me through college. So, um, I'd say you're good to go. Um, and then, you know, make sure that I, I understand for big life events, you know, uh, I went to lunch with a guy today, uh, a couple guys and, and they were talking about, um, uh, this guy had just gotten married and they were talking about having kids and, uh, you know, I, I was talking with him about it and I was like, yeah, man, I mean, you can do it now, you can do it later. It doesn't really matter. And then he was like, oh, well, you know, uh, we went through this whole conversation and I was pushing him, you know, sooner rather than later. I was like, I, you know, I don't really know why you'd wait. Um, y'all are both really put together. And he was like, well, she's about to start vet school. And I was like, oh, well, that's, that's kind of relevant, <laughs> um, to the conversation. Like all three of us just rambled on about this dude's life without, and he was like, oh yeah, she's about to, about to start vet school. It's like, well, well, you could have said that. <laughs> um, but no, it, it was, it was funny cause it just, the whole conversation kind of changed. Um, but, uh, so, you know, big life events are, are somewhat important, you know, getting through school, um, stuff like that. Uh, I will say as somebody who, um, you know, we got married in the middle of my wife going to school. Um, I think it's okay to plan the wedding, uh, around school, but I don't think it's okay to put something off, uh, especially marriage. Kids are a different story, I think, um, in some respects, but I don't think it's okay to put something off for like four, you know, two, three, four years, uh, just for school. Uh, I think that school is a very tough thing. And I think that it's something, if you don't want your time and your money to be wasted, uh, two heads are better than one. And what do I mean by that is, well, um, and I, I've actually got, and I don't want to throw them under the bus. So they listen to this, but, um, I've actually got a couple friend of mine where she's about to go to school. And, you know, my point to my buddy was, why don't you just, you know, make this thing happen and then float her through school with your finances instead of her trying to work jobs, like just get her through school, you know, instead of taking 12 hours and, and working another job, why doesn't she take 18 hours and you just buy her food? <laughs> I don't, I don't get it and, and move in together. Um, and there's other reasons. Yes, I get it. And please y'all, if you listen to this, don't come at me. 
Um, y'all know I have my own opinions, but, uh, and they're cool. They won't come after me, but, uh, it's things like that, you know? Um, yeah, maybe you want to wait, wait until she's done with school so that she can focus on that, but also, um, maybe having you stepping up, uh, getting married, moving in together, having a clean house, having a clean home, not having to worry as much about, um, bills, maybe that will help, uh, with her school. I know for us, um, you know, DLN tried to do a little bit of school on her own. Uh, when she was living on her own and it was okay. Sometimes she was able to focus more, but what really helped was when, uh, we had moved into a house. Uh, we, we kind of were married yet. Like, I don't know if anybody knows this. I think I've said it on the podcast before we got married before our actual wedding. Uh, and that may piss some family off, but I don't really care. Um, we got married for insurance purposes before our actual wedding, like a couple months before, like eight months before. Um, so we were married and, uh, living in this house where she could have her own room, uh, to do things on. That's when she actually, uh, really started to get school and to, to, to do a lot better at school. She was still doing really good on her own, but, um, that kind of security and the ability for me to float a lot of the bills, she still had to work just because of the, the way that the money, um, you know, way the money rolled, but I was handling all the finances at the very least, um, handling all the bills, handling all of that stuff to where she didn't have to worry about it. Um, you know, she still had to go to work, but my point is that don't think that, you know, marriage is going to hinder those life events. That's why you're getting married is to be able to tackle those life events. Uh, and the biggest one that I hear is school. Uh, the biggest one that I hear is, well, let me get through school first. And a lot of times my point is, well, um, (laughs) those, those types of things are, are better handled with, um, with a wife, uh, you know, with a husband. So that's the, that's the deciding to actually pop the question. And and when you do that, um, it it takes a lot of consideration. You may want to do it, you know, there's a special trip that you're going to go on or, uh, all of that, but actually deciding to get married. Um, once you've done all the, we call them acceptance criteria. It's kind of, it's, it's a corporate term, but once you've met all the acceptance criteria, uh, to, to get married, there's, um, no reason really to delay it all that often. Now, again, there's a difference between getting married and having a wedding. Uh, I, let's talk about what a wedding and what the act of getting married actually means. My understanding of it is that, uh, you are making a promise to this person uh, a non-reciprocal promise that that gets a little bit more into the definition of kind of marriage, but uh, I want to talk about the action, not the theory. You're making a promise to this other person in front of witnesses. That's the idea. That's why you, when you go to the JP at the bare minimum, you have to have a witness. Okay. Um, it's so that you have someone else in your life, uh, that can hold you accountable to this promise. Uh, that's why it can't just be the JP. I believe, um, that's what makes sense to me. Uh, is that you have the offici- officiant, offici- officiant, official, uh, the preacher, whatever you call them, the officiant, whatever. I think that's the right word. Uh, that's why you have the organizer, the dude that stands up in the front that actually marries you, the preacher, um, or the JP. Uh, he's doing the act of marrying you, and then you have to have a witness. Those two people can't be the same, I think. Uh, so that's what you're doing is you're making a promise to this other person. Uh, you're giving your heart away for free. Uh, you're giving your life away for free. You're not, those promises aren't reciprocal. And again, this gets into the definition of marriage is that, uh, 
her promise has nothing to do with your promise. Uh, and that's kind of an elevated concept. And and again, we'll talk more about this later uh, about marriage theory, but her promise has nothing to do with your promise. You're promising no matter what her promise is. And a lot of people say, well, um, it's, you know, it is reciprocal. Like if I wouldn't marry somebody that would never agree to the terms of the marriage. It's like, yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, you want to make sure that you both have the the same idea about what you're doing, but your promise isn't dependent on her promise. But anyway, you're making that promise in front of people. So that's what the purpose of the wedding really is. The purpose of the wedding is not a celebration. A lot of people think that the purpose of the wedding is a celebration. It's not. That's the reception. Okay. Uh, the ceremony, the actual wedding is for you to make your promise, her to make her promise, and you have witnesses. Okay. These are people that are going to hold you accountable. So here's what I say. I say you can get married without having a wedding. I think you can. Uh, I think that if um, I'm not a huge fan of just eloping alone. Um, And again, I'm not, you know who you are. I'm not just trying to attack y'all in this episode. This is the second time I've mentioned y'all. Please don't take this personally. Um, I'm not just a huge fan of eloping, eloping alone because of that. Um, I think that if you are going to get married and you need to do it quick, I think that it should be a, um, small ceremony, uh, even if it is at the JP and you should invite a few people who, you know, are going to hold that accountable, uh, hold you accountable to that, be it your parents, uh, be it somebody special in your life, um, siblings, whatever it is, uh, that are going to hold you accountable to that, um, And again, this is not how I got married early. We got common law married for insurance purposes. I'm telling you things that I did not do, okay? Um, I'm do as I say, not as I did, okay? Which is different than do as I say, not as I do. Um, There's a key difference there, do and did. But uh, we didn't have a witness because we got common law married. But I think if you're going to get married and you're going to make that decision, uh, I, I wouldn't just elope alone because I think that takes away from what you're actually doing. This marriage is a community affair. A lot of people say, well, why should you have any stake in who I'm marrying? This is part of the gay marriage argument. It's like, well, because marriage, this idea, uh, this institution of marriage is supposed to benefit the community. That's why you bring your, that's why you involve your community in the wedding. That's why you're making the promise in front of your community. Um, so taking and just doing that alone is kind of, um, it's against the tradition of marriage. Uh, again, you can do it. You're grown ass adults. Uh, but I think the point of marriage is to involve your community in your marriage. You're saying that you, you know, uh, me and my wife are coming together. Uh, we're making this promise to one another, uh, in order to form another little family inside of this community that is going to hold us accountable to this union. That's what you're doing. So I say you can get married before you have a wedding. I think you can. Uh, I think it is totally reasonable to say we're going to have three people uh, at the justice of the peace. It may not be the prettiest thing in the world, but before we move in together, let's say, let's say this is exactly, uh, yeah, now Dylan and I just wanted to live together. Okay. Um, That's really what it was. We could have made it work, but this is exactly why I moved in with Dylan is I didn't exactly have the money for a wedding. Uh, I didn't know if I could count on her dad to pay for it all. Uh, I knew that my parents had other stuff going on. They've got two younger siblings. Um, And finances weren't just overly abundant. I didn't have the money for a wedding, barely had the money for a ring. uh, And I was getting out of college and uh, I was in my senior semester. Uh, I was getting out of the dorms. 
Um, didn't want to do the dorms for another year. <clears throat> the Ellen's lease was up. And uh, I was like, dude, um, if both her and I pay rent, that's like another $8,000 that we're spending. We could save that. And of course, we didn't save that. I spent that on whiskey and pocket knives and a bunch of other stuff. Um, that <laughs> We didn't save it, plain and simple. Um, but we moved in together. If you're in that position, say, okay, uh, we're going to get married. We're going to do this. We're going to have the rings. We're going to make the promise. We're going to live together for a year and a half. And then in a year and a half, we're going to save up and we're going to have a wedding. Um, I think that's totally reasonable. I think it's totally reasonable to to remake that promise. There's There's nothing about, I think it's not okay to not make that promise in front of people, but there is nothing against making it twice. Um, nothing against making it twice. Uh, and you know, I think that if here's, here is my advice. If you're a dude, uh, and you've talked your wife into, let's say she really wants to, uh, move in together. You've talked her into, Hey, let's have a small wedding or, you know, a small little, let's get married. And then in a year, uh, in a year, maybe I'll, you know, repropose and we'll rehab a wedding. You better hold to your word. Uh, that's a really bad story. If, if you promise her a wedding and then you don't give her a wedding, uh, you better either a, just not even live together, uh, not even make the move until you can afford it. Or, uh, you better hold to your word, but I don't think there's a problem with, um, getting married and then having your wedding. I don't think there's an issue with that at all. Uh, and I think that it would solve, um, actually a lot of problems. So let's talk about the actual wedding. Uh, let's say you're married or maybe you're not married, but uh, let's talk about the wedding. Um, there is such a thing as scope creep. I don't know if we've ever talked about this. This is a construction project management term. Uh, it, it's, I'm sure it's used in other places. It's not exclusive, but uh, it's called scope creep. What do we mean by that? Um, let's say you have what's called a scope of work. What does that mean? Well, that means that when I hand you uh, a house project, let's say you're going to build a house for me, your scope of work is to uh, start with a Greenfield house at 6908 uh, Arden Circle, and you are to final grade, da 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 da, concrete, um, you know, frame up walls. This is everything that you're going to be doing. Okay, your job is to do all of this. That is your scope. So when you go in there, you have a clearly defined set of responsibilities. Uh, that you're going to attack, like going to do your electrician. The scope would only be the electrical. It would be outside of the electrician scope for them to uh, do the plumbing. Scope creep is when you sign on to do this house. And then two months into it, they're like, Oh, Hey man, actually we really want to shed. Uh, do you think that you can do that? Or it's honestly even more small. It's it's, they come in and they say, Hey man, I know we paid you, you know, $200,000, but, um, for this house, but actually, uh, this tile that we had you put in there, uh, maybe it's not even available. Maybe it's something that you really don't have control over. Maybe the tile is not available. Uh, maybe you told the customer that it was, uh, the tile is not available anymore. And so the next best thing is, is five more dollars a square foot or something like that, or, you know, uh, 50 cents more a square foot. Let's say it's not huge. 50 cents more a square foot is going to cost you 500 more dollars for the floor. You say, ah, all right. Uh, and then they ask you, well, hey, man, do you mind putting a sprinkler in? It's like, yeah, I'll charge you a little bit more to put the sprinkler in. And they're like, well, actually, um, what, what about a fence? And you're like, yeah, I guess I'll charge you a little bit more to put a fence in. 
and then your scope broadens, okay? Or it changes, you know, on a, on a house, it's a little hard to describe because you're just building a house, but um, your scope can change as you get in there to do a job. This happens with weddings. What am I talking about? Um, the longer you're engaged, typically the more scope creep you have. It starts out as, oh, well, let's just do a, uh, a simple wedding dress for 400 bucks. I don't even know how much a wedding dress costs. I think, I think my wife, um, I think she kind of went, uh, a little baller on her, on her wedding dress. I think she paid two grand for it. Uh, or her dad did. I think that's what he bought her, uh, was the wedding dress. So let's say, uh, that your wedding dress is going to cost a thousand dollars. Well, you've got a year, you go wedding dress shopping once and then you go wedding dress shopping the next time. Uh, and then by the third time, everybody's telling you how good you look in this $3,000 wedding dress. Uh, and finally they go, all right, that's fine. Uh, let's say that your plan was to spend 200 bucks on a cake. Apparently that's like cheap for a wedding cake. I didn't know how much these things cost, uh, or a hundred bucks on a wedding cake. And then, uh, yeah, but those flowers are really good. And this icing looks really awesome. And yeah, but what if we do a marbled cake and then you end up at 250 on, on the wedding cake? Um, so scope creep can happen a lot. And it's what I say when getting married before the wedding can help with that is that it feels a little bit, just a little bit less novel and special. Um, at least for me, I don't know that it really did for my wife. Uh, but for me, I was able to mitigate a little bit of scope creep, uh, because we were already married. Um, you're able to mitigate it a little bit, but you're still going to have quite a bit. Um, this is also why I don't really recommend, uh, too long of an engagement. Um, we had man, probably let's see, I proposed in, I want to say July. Um, yeah, I think I proposed in July and then we were married in May. So, I mean, we had a 10 month long engagement. That's relatively long. The main reason we did that is because we didn't want to do it in the dead ass of winter. Uh, we didn't think we had time to plan it all by, uh, Christmas break. Cause she was still in school. Um, and I don't think they gave her really much of anything for Christmas break. Um, so we didn't want to plan it all in Christmas break. Um, we were going to buy a house. So we bought a house in the winter and then in the summer she had one week. Uh, they only gave her one week between the spring and the summer semesters. It wasn't like she had all summer off. So we kind of had to put it there. We really wanted to do it in like the, the March, April timeframe. So it wasn't too hot cause we had it down South. Um, but we couldn't do that in the middle of school. Uh, couldn't do it in, in between spring break because the program she was in was just absolutely terrible. Um, so we had to, uh, do it in May. That was 10 months. There was a lot of room for scope creep. Luckily we didn't have just a whole lot of money. Uh, and luckily there wasn't just a whole lot of people super involved in the wedding. Uh, some people were making decisions, but it was mostly Dylan and I, and so we were able to mitigate it. Uh, but I'm much rather honestly, Honestly, I would have rather proposed in in July and gotten married in like October down there because October down there is really pretty. Uh, it can still be pretty hot or December. I mean, down there, December is, is you know, really pretty. Uh, maybe we wouldn't have had the rain and all that stuff, but uh, I digress. Um, do it pretty quick. Uh, I would say engage and get proposed within uh, ideal would be like a six month time frame. And it really doesn't take that long, guys. I mean, if you're on top of your stuff, it really doesn't take that long. The longest part would be maybe scheduling the venue that you want. Uh, that would probably be the longest part is they may say, well, we have to have six months advance notice for a venue or they're booked out that far. Sometimes they can get booked out. Uh, sometimes they don't accept bookings until wedding season. 
all different types of things matter. Um, so, uh, try to, try to shorten it up as much as you can. Uh, and you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's really all because I was going to say maybe you could propose, but not tell anybody until, uh, a little bit closer to the wedding time so that maybe y'all can make arrangements, but she's going to want to tell everybody and you should, uh, that you're getting married. So that's not a good idea. Um, next would be like actually planning the wedding. I would sit down, um, I would sit down with, uh, your wife and, you know, maybe try to make a budget. Uh, you you can try to make a budget. Um, I would almost think that maybe if I could do it again, uh, and, and maybe if I have kids, this is maybe what I help them do is set up, um, maybe like a hundred percent type thing. Uh, so you start with a hundred percent on a whiteboard and then put in all the things that you're going to spend money on. So venue, uh, you know, venue, dress, cake, um, DJ, food, all of these things, all of these things. And before you even talk money, uh, I would set up maybe percentages of importance. So this is kind of a new idea. This is something that literally just came to mind uh, while I'm talking about this is set up percentage of importance. So let's say that uh, your your wife uh, or your, your future wife, your fiance, uh, that feels too French for me to enjoy saying it, but um, your fiance, uh, let's say that she really, really wants just a badass dress. She wants to pass it down. She hopes that she has a girl. Uh, she wants a badass dress. Uh, she wants, you know, five, $6,000 dress. Uh, it's, it's the most important thing to her. So you're going to allocate, um, let's say, you know, 30% to the dress. That's a big chunk. Uh, you know, a third of the importance is going to go to this dress. Uh, let's say that the venue is next. Um, let's say that, you know, the venue, she really, really wants it to be uh, a top-notch venue, okay? Well, then you're going to assign um, 20% to the dress. Well, now you're at, what is that, 50%? Uh, so 50% of your importance is going to go to the dress and the venue. Uh, well, what's next? Uh, maybe it's, uh, what else did I say? Uh, the cake, or maybe she really, really wants a live band. Okay, well, then you're going to put another, let's say, 15% towards a live band. It's it's not as important uh, as the venue, but it is, it's, it's, it's right there next. So let's do 15%. Uh, do you kind of get the idea of what I'm doing here? Uh, then once you, and you can't go over hundred. Okay. Uh, you can't go to 110. Uh, if you do, you have to readjust the priorities. So, uh, then let's say that you get your budget. Let's say that her dad's going to pay for all of it. Uh, let's say that he says, man, I got $10,000. Um, let's cut that. Let's say $3,000 for the honeymoon. Uh, you have $7,000. Well, what you're going to do is you're going to apply that $7,000 weighted uh, across those percentages of importance. And that's how much money you get to spend on this item. Okay. Uh, weddings just on average, the, we couldn't get it done for under like 12,000. Uh, and I think we didn't even cater. And that's what you're going to end up finding is that um, at, to avoid scope creep, if you follow your priorities, uh, you're going to find that a lot of stuff is going to have to be done, uh, like to go away. And that's why I recommend assigning priorities first before the budget, because you'll look up and then your budget is $20,000. And then you've got to break hearts because, you know, we can't, 
that number is just too big. And then it's about the money. It's not about importance. Whereas if you set up levels of importance and then you tell her, okay, this is your pot of money, move it around. Uh, and she realizes that catering is going to cost $3,000, but because she only put it at a 5%, uh, you only have about $500 to do it. Well, then maybe we're, you know, we're paying Uncle Bubba to, to drive a smoker out there, which I did. Uh, and maybe family is going to be cooking the food. Okay. That's exactly what happened for us is because the food was the least of our concerns. Uh, I paid for all of the food. I think I spent maybe 700 bucks. Uh, we did brisket. We did salad. We did, I think, potatoes. I don't remember. Uh, and my family cooked it all. Uh, it was super easy. It was super cool. Uh, super easy for me. You know, my dad had a hard time, <laughs> uh, but it wasn't my problem. Um, no, it was, it was, it was good. So, and I think I said, like I said, maybe 700 bucks. Um, I think that I gave them more than what they needed. I think I Venmoed them more than what they needed. Uh, and we spent some of the money elsewhere. Um, alcohol, maybe, uh, BYOB is not an option at the venue. Maybe having alcohol there is an importance of 3%, but your venue is 20%. And one, one venue, uh, allows alcohol. One does not. Well, you know, maybe, uh, you have to go no alcohol for your wedding. If that's not an option, um, maybe it needs to be higher on the importance list. Do you see what I'm saying here? Uh, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but if I had to do it, that's how I would do it now. Um, if somebody assigned me as a wedding planner, the first thing I would do is not even ask about budget. And I would go in there and I would, uh, use the 100%, um, to, to apply importance to certain parts of the wedding. And what you may find is that to her, everything is important. Uh, and that's not going to work unless daddy's paying for it. Uh, if daddy's got a big checkbook, then what you need to do is you need to go to him first. If daddy's got a big ass checkbook, uh, you need to go to him first and you say, Hey, um, before you pay for this wedding, uh, can we talk honeymoon and can we talk down payment on a house, uh, before you pay for this wedding, before you set the budget for this wedding, uh, can we talk honeymoon? And then can you help me out on a down payment for, uh, a new house? And I guarantee you, if he's any reasonable person, uh, and if he's got a big checkbook, that's going to make him very happy. Uh, the fact that you want to do a good honeymoon and the fact that, you know, you want to do a down payment for a house. Maybe he's not the type of person, maybe he'll, he's the type of person that'll hold that over your head. So maybe you don't want to do the down payment on your house. Uh, but, um, I guarantee you that before you spend the money on the wedding, uh, having a down payment on a house secured is going to be very nice. If it's some, if he's somebody that's not going to, uh, hold money over your head, um, do that and then let him break his daughter's heart. I mean, you need to talk about it with, with your wife. Uh, but I would go to him first and ask him about that, uh, so that he can figure out the, the, the money on the wedding side, um, and, and set an appropriate budget. I, I would make the priority of the house, uh, see if, see if he'll help out on a down payment on a house. Cause if he's going to spend 10, you know, 20, $30,000 somewhere, uh, let's put it towards that. So go have that conversation with him. Uh, and then after that, talk about wedding budget, but assign orders of importance. Uh, and if he says it's absolutely no problem, I mean, if, if, if he's just a baller, just shit, shit, uh, not shit, uh, sit back and shut up. Uh, doesn't matter. Sit back, shut up, go to all the things that she wants you to do. Um, it, it's not going to have anything to do with you. How much money is spent on this wedding? Uh, there's a good chance that he knows that his daughter really, really wants a wedding. He's not going to be offended by doling out, you know, $35,000 for a wedding. Uh, just sit back, shut up and, and be a part of the ride. Uh, 
Many, many people don't have that experience. So this is why I'm giving you the advice. So set up orders of importance, uh, apply weighted percentages to all of the different things that you want at your wedding. Um, talk about rules for the wedding. So this is a hot topic. Um, rules for the wedding. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that some people don't want kids at their reception. Some people don't want kids at the ceremony, but they're fine with kids at their reception. Uh, let's talk about inviting people in general. Before we talk about rules, let's talk about inviting people in general. Where a lot of scope creep happens is invites. A lot of scope creep happens when you remember that every Tom, Dick, and Harry that's ever shook your hand is going to want an invite to the wedding. Um, here's what I would say. If they are not anywhere on your list to call, if you have an issue in your marriage, uh, don't invite them. That's that's where I would start. Because <laughs> if you start there, then the scope creep is not going to be as bad. Uh, when you think about their name, do you think, man, uh, you know, if I needed some marital advice or, uh, let's say that, uh, my wife and I just weren't really, really weren't getting along. Um, could I call them to help me out? Could I call them to help me out? Uh, or would I want to call them to help me out and say, nope, not on the list. See how many people that you have on your first list. Uh, and if that is 30, 40 people for you. Uh, and everybody else in the family that you're just not super excited about, um, roll with that. Roll with that, honestly. Uh, for real. Now, you don't want to piss a bunch of people off because they didn't get invited to your wedding. So, for example, if you invite Aunt Jeannie uh, and, you know, her sister, Aunt Margaret, uh, is not going to get an invite, you may invite Aunt Margaret um, because they're close and they're going to talk. But what I don't what I'm trying to stress is that you don't need to call second, third, fourth, or fifth cousin and all the friends. Uh, that's what you don't need to do. Um, you don't necessarily need to have them at the ceremony, um, or the reception, but, uh, invite list is really important. That's where a lot of scope creep happens. And um, what you'll find is that there's going to be a lot of people that the, the larger your, the larger your invite list, uh, the more cancellations and the more people, the more no shows you're going to have. <clears throat> Sorry. And because the smaller your list, probably the more important the people are going to be. Uh, and you'll actually know that they're going to show up. So what do I mean by that? I mean, if you invite 50 people, you're probably going to get at least 40. If you invite 200, you're probably going to get about a hundred. Um, I, that's, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Uh, cause there, I highly doubt that, you know, 200 people that are all in the vicinity of the wedding venue. Uh, I highly doubt that, you know, 200 people that, it's going to be important enough for them to actually take off of work or buy you a wedding gift or get a motel, all of that stuff. If you invite 200, you're probably going to get 100. If you invite 50, you're probably going to get at least 40, if not 60, honestly. Um, you know, there be maybe some people you didn't invite to come. Um, so invite list is very important to it early. Uh, and like I said, use that first filter for who would we call if we had an issue with our marriage, because that's what the, the purpose of the wedding is, is to make that promise uh, in front of people that are going to hold you accountable to it. So if you wouldn't call them uh, to hold you accountable, then uh, don't invite them uh, on the first list. And here's the other thing is if if they see you messing up, here's the real deal. And this is for especially groomsmen and groomswomen. Uh, if you don't think that they would say something if you're messing up, they probably don't need to be a part of your your groomsmen. Uh, or what is it, the bridal party? You probably don't need to be a part of the bridal party, 
I mean, straight up, dude. Uh, I don't know any, I don't think there's any of my, my groomsmen that if they saw me egregious, let's say I decided to cheat on DLM. Um, if they saw that, I don't think there's any of them that wouldn't strongly remind me uh, about the promise that I made, um, if not straight up physically assault me for cheating on my wife. Um, I think every, every one of them would. Uh, so that's who you need to have as, as part of your, your wedding party for sure. Uh, and then maybe even your wedding invites, use that filter first. And if it's not enough people, or if there's people that aren't on that list that you think really should be on there, then expand it from there. Rules, uh, kids. Um, here's what went back and forth on this. Um, we've got some struggles, uh, in our family with some of the people that we invite. Uh, struggles to say the least. Kids were uh, an issue to say the least. Um, not all kids, some kids. A uh, very small amount of kids we were worried about. We did not want to ban all kids from the reception. We didn't want to just ban those kids from the reception. We wanted them to be there, actually. Um, didn't want them to be there for long. Uh, and we wanted them to we wanted them to the people that were associated with these kids to be at the reception. We wanted to involve everybody. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Find the problem kids. Instead of being that, that couple that just bans all kids from the reception, find the problem kids, uh, suggest highly that they get a babysitter for the reception. If you're told that they can't afford it, put it in your baby budget or in your wedding budget. Um, say, look, I will pay for a babysitter for these kids to leave. Um, if it is that big of a deal uh, and they don't leave by the time they need to leave, consider having them thrown out. And I am dead ass serious. Uh, what you don't want uh, is you don't want people that are a part of your wedding uh, getting hurt or the wedding getting ruined <laughs> because of uh, misbehaving children. Uh, I promise you, you don't want that. Uh we had to send a bridesmaid to the hospital because the kids ran out on the dance floor and the bridesmaid fell over backwards and pretty sure she got a concussion. So um, luckily she was not the litigious type. Luckily we didn't get sued. Luckily the venue didn't get sued. Um, it could happen. So it is really an issue if you've got kids that are really a pain in the ass and, and accidents happen. I mean, listen, accidents happen. Understand it could have been, it could have been the most well-behaved kid that decides to run across the dance floor and, and, um, mess things up. But it was almost a guaranteed factor with, with these kids. Uh, so my recommendation is to throw it in the wedding budget. Say, we'll get you a babysitter. Uh, the other recommendation is to hire a babysitter. Um, just have the babysitter come to the wedding. Say, hi, I need you to show up. And your responsibility is to make sure that these kids, uh, stay in a corner, make sure that they have fun. Uh, if, Whoever is supposed to take care of them is not taking care of them. Uh, tell whoever is supposed to take care of them, hey, look, uh, I wanted you to be free tonight. I wanted you to have fun with all of us. And so uh, we got a babysitter for the kids. Uh, if you've got problem kids like that, if you're just worried about um, kids crying during the, during the wedding, or if you're just worried about uh, some screaming or some yelling at the reception, uh, stop being an asshole, basically, is what I have for you. Um, kids are going to be there. Uh, if you were that averse to children, you probably don't need to get married. Um, I mean, for real, 
you're probably too selfish to actually be in a functioning marriage. Uh, if you're really worried about kids ruining your wedding or your reception, uh, if they aren't just that misbehaving, if you're just worried about all kids in general, uh, stop being an ass, uh, first and foremost. Um, I think that's all I've got. Oh, and, and let me put a little bit more behind that. Um, do you want to know why we have a marriage problem? Um, you want to know why marriage is an issue in the United States? I think it is why divorce rates are so high. Uh, why weddings are such a nightmare. Uh, well, the best way to lead is by example. Uh, I truly believe that the example has degraded. What happens is uh, you have one little move from perfect, or maybe it's never perfect, but maybe you have ideal. Ideal and perfect are different. So you start with an ideal. Maybe that's the weddings of the 60s or something. I don't know. Um, before no fault divorce came around. But let's say that why why don't we take weddings seriously anymore? Well, maybe there was one person that decided not to do it in a church. I didn't have my wedding in a church, by the way. I don't think you have to have your wedding in a church, by the way. But that's the ideal, is that you're making this promise with not only um, yourself, your wife, and your witnesses, but also God. And I forgot to mention that in the first place. That's because I'm a, a new Christian. You're involving God. That's why you have a preacher. That's why you say Bible verses. Uh, is really you're making this promise to God. So I apologize for getting that. Uh, the religious among us. Um, we're probably upset that I left it out and I didn't mean to leave it out. I, I believe that it's true. Um, but maybe the ideal is that you have, uh, the, the ceremony in a church and then the reception afterwards, uh, with no alcohol, uh, because yeah, the reception is to celebrate, but we're not going to celebrate with sin. Maybe that's, maybe that's the ideal. Well, one generation removed decides that it's okay to not have it in a church. Maybe we have it outside. Maybe it's really, really pretty outside still have the preacher we still have the uh the bible uh, we're still not doing alcohol but let's move it outside instead of outside the church well then the next generation sees that and they say well maybe this church thing maybe having it in a church isn't important maybe that connection to god and his church isn't really important so we move it a little bit uh maybe now they decide to have it at the sale barn uh we still have the preacher we still have the bible we're still not doing a bunch of alcohol we still have a lot of important people here everybody's still dressing up uh, but we're gonna do it at the cell barn. It's not even outside of the church. Um, it's not even just at a random disclosed location. It's where we sell cattle or whatever. Maybe they've got a, you know, I don't know why I said the cell barn, but uh, they have event halls at cell barns sometimes. Um, anyway, you get what I'm saying. It's slow, slow creeps by example from generations. Generations that maybe understood the tradition, but thought it was okay to break it. Uh, so let's say that, you know, me, I understand what marriage means. I broke it. I didn't actually have a full understanding of what it meant um, when I had my wedding, but maybe I'm going to say, okay, well, uh, I understand what this tradition is supposed to be, but uh, I'm going to break it a little bit. I think it's okay. I, I, I get it. I understand. I understand why they have it at church, but I'm going to do it at a different venue because it's easier. Maybe we're not involved with the church. Maybe, and this was actually a, a, a real deal, maybe they want you to go to the church for six months and be members before they'll let you have your wedding in church, which I think is absolutely stupid. Uh, I understand. I understand wanting to make sure that this marriage is a quality marriage before you put it together. But also, um, if somebody wants to do something right, I don't understand why you prevent them from doing it right. Uh, I don't get that. Uh, if you're listening out here and if you're religious and you understand why they won't let you be married in their church, maybe they want to make sure that you're not Satanist. But I would think that there's like a couple check boxes, and then say, yeah, it's okay for you to get married in the church. Maybe you have rules about the wedding, uh, but I don't. I don't like, oh, you need to be members and you need to go to marriage counseling before we'll marry you, you know, marry you in this church. I think that's stupid. 
Uh, I really think it is. Um, it's how we stray from the tradition as well as, is some of that gatekeeping too. Um, that's just my opinion. But anyway, I break the tradition a little bit. Well, the kids that are at the wedding, or let's say not even the kids, let's say my little brother who is only five years younger than me. Let's say that I didn't fully explain to him the traditions and why we're breaking it, but he's part of my, you know, my wedding party. Uh, he sees what we, we did. He sees that we're happy. Um, he says, Oh, well, this is the ideal. This is now the ideal. Uh, it's not the ideal the way we did it because our wedding was kind of a fiasco. Uh, but he says, this is the ideal. Maybe when I have my wedding, I want to do a certain few things differently and break that tradition. Um, that's how it gets to the state that it's at now. Uh, and it's a natural progression. I'm not saying that it's not going to happen. I'm not saying that you can prevent it. Where where did I start with this? The kids. That's why you should be okay with having kids at your wedding. Uh, because you should make sure that your wedding is a force for good. And you should make sure that you're giving them a good example of how it should be. Because what's going to happen is those kids are going to be in your life anyway. And they're going to remember being at your wedding. Uh, for some reason, like weddings are, are memories that kids keep. Uh, weddings are memories that kids keep, especially if they're in the wedding. Uh, like some of my only memories of being a young kid, uh, I, I have a pretty good memory, especially from that time. But I remember like the two weddings that I was in, um, only two of them. And I remember, remember them very clearly. Uh, I remember being there very clearly. One of them I was very, very young for, uh, but I remember it. And I, and at the, nonetheless, I remembered that I was in a wedding. <laughs> I remember what the wedding was for. I remember why my parents told me that I was there. Um, so that's why you should be okay with kids at your wedding and your reception. Uh, that's why you should allow it. Uh, and if your wife doesn't want to allow it, explain that to her. Um, yeah, don't, don't ban all kids from your wedding and your reception. We floated the idea and I really was like, that's, that's awful. And one of my wife's favorite pictures is me dancing with one of, uh, I think she's my second cousin or something like, I don't know if we have a picture or not, but, um, it's me dancing with a little girl. It's my cousin, Clinton, Megan. Uh, their daughter, and I'm so sorry, I, I can't remember her name. I think it's like Ainsley, I think. I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm an ass. Um, I don't remember her name, but I, I danced with her. Um, and if we had banished kids, a lot of people probably wouldn't have shown up because it would have been an asshole move, and you're an asshole for doing it. Uh, but I wouldn't have that that moment and that memory, and I guarantee you she's going to remember that when she gets older. Uh, and hopefully she remembers that as an ideal of, you know, Hey, maybe a man that I want to be married to is the kind of man that is, you know, gentle enough to dance with kids or something. Uh, that's what I hope. Uh, that's maybe a little bit arrogant of me to think and say, uh, but that's what I hope she would take from that, uh, being at the wedding. So that's a long explanation and kind of rambly as to why you should allow kids at your wedding. Uh, and most of you may not have this issue. I've just heard it mentioned of the no kids. Um, I don't agree with that. So Oh, let's see. I think, um, I'm almost at an hour and I can't believe I talked this long on this subject. Uh, yeah, I can. It's like the only thing that, um, I'm good at and I do it way too often is talk. Um, so that's really the, the bulk of my advice, uh, on weddings after going through it and after watching a lot of people go through it, uh, we're about to go through two, um, as visitors, (laughs) uh, as what do you call that? Um, guests, I guess. Uh, we're about to attend two weddings. Uh, we've attended another one uh, a couple years ago. That one did not last very long. Uh, that that was that was kind of heartbreaking, honestly. They spent a lot of money, and their their parents and their family um, jumped through hoops to give them a really really nice wedding. Uh, and I mean, I think they were they were separated like 
three months later. Um, make sure you're going through your acceptance criteria before you get married, please. Uh, I'm not a t- I'm not a person that says that you need to um, double check before you get married and live together and all that BS. Um, you know, a lot of people use having sex before marriage because they want to make sure that their sex life isn't going to suck for the rest of their married life. That's bullshit. I don't believe in that. Um, I think you could wait until you're married to have sex and everything is going to be perfectly fine. Uh, but I do think that you should check religion, money, family, health and fitness and substance abuse. Because uh, the last thing you want to do is is make your family go through go through a lot of hoops uh, and spend a lot of money and for you to spend a lot of money and a lot of time uh, just to break it off. I don't think you should get divorced first first and foremost. Um, it's kind of null and void on my opinion uh, that you shouldn't get divorced. You should work it out. That's the point of marriage. Uh, but um, just be sure. Just just be have a, have a good confidence level and make sure that you're you're taking that promise seriously. Uh, I think is is the best way to say it. But guys, I appreciate y'all listening to this. Like I said, just me rambling, uh, giving you random advice, diving a little bit too deep uh, in some aspects, but uh, I really appreciate it. Um, I think that this is going to help out a lot of dudes. Uh, if you think that you're about to get married, definitely uh, take some of these things into account, please. <laughs> uh, I speak from experience. Typically, um, I kind of downplay uh, my own words. Uh, say, you know, take it with a grain of salt or whatever. Um, this one I'm I'm pretty serious about, and this one I know what I know, I know that I know what I'm talking about. Uh, on this one, I've had experience with it. I've seen other people deal with it. Um, I've seen what works. I've seen what doesn't. Um, I want you to take this one seriously. Uh, you know, like I said, typically I downplay uh, some of the things that I have to say, um, but I want you to take this one seriously and really consider it. So, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Tune in on Sunday. Uh, one of you asked for some more bow hunting. Uh, some more bow hunting and uh, archery type stuff. Um, we're going to get that. So we're going to get some outdoors and some bow hunting this Sunday. Uh, tune in for that on the Purpose Podcast, and I will catch y'all later. Thanks.